It's time for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group with financial advisors Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, and Josh Gregory. Welcome to another episode of the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group, where every week we're helping you take your next wise step in your financial life. Thanks for being here, friends. My name is Mike Bernard. I'm your host. I'm also one of the certified financial planners right here at KFG. And with me in the KFG studios, my business partners and fellow CFPs, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. There are so many changes in the world of college planning happening right now. And uh, whether you're looking to help your kids or grandkids with any of their future college expenses and planning, we're going to help share the latest changes and updates so that you can plan effectively. We're going to cover that and more on today's episode. I feel like you could have just stopped at there are lots of changes, yeah. <laughs> period. Like you could, that sentence could be finished a lot of different ways, but you know, we're financial geeks and we're going to talk about college today and it's certainly a lot of changes there. We're going to help you with that. If you have questions for the show or need some help yourselves, we are here for you. Call or text 574-222-2000. That's 574-222-2000. Online, wisemoneyshow.com. You can find us there, reach out to us there, learn more about the show, the the firm, all that. Uh, and then all over social media, wherever you're at, we are there as well. Search The Wise Money Show. Kevin, you're essentially on the downhill slope with college planning, right? You're, <laughs> it's about it's about over. Let's hope. I think. Oh, baby, put a fork in that thing, uh, Josh. <laughs> you're done. You're next. You've got high school, one and, in high school, yeah, two in middle, two school. in middle school. I'm the runt of the three of us. I've got middle school, elementary school, and preschool. Believe it or not. And so, what about you? How how close are you? to having kids or maybe grandkids in college and are you focusing on well I'd, I'd like to help in some way it seems like you know college planning you know some people say hey, I'm not helping or we don't have kids or whatever but I'd probably list it as you know one of the top three or four common financial goals that people have mm -hmm. and I think one of the tricky things is for retirement I'll, it, it's different for everyone and yet it follows a similar path college is different there's several different visions that people can have when they have a goal of helping kids or grandkids with college. You can you can approach it many different ways. And before we get into the changes, let's at least talk about the the vast spectrum of ways that you could approach planning for college. And one of the things I think it's important to note right up front is if you're listening and you say, well, college doesn't apply to me, I, I, I'm not, I can tune out for this one. I would encourage you to lean in because what what we do as financial planners is connect the seemingly unconnected parts of your financial life. And you say, well, how in the world would college planning potentially relate to retirement planning for my children or my grandchildren? And if you stay tuned, we're going to get into it. Yeah, that's right. You know, I, I always love talking about college planning because uh, – Everybody has an opinion on this, right? And it's always interesting to me. I, you know, we try to approach every new client with a curious spirit, and this is one of them. Where as you get into a conversation and you you start asking about goals, when when college comes up, it's just it's fascinating to hear each spouse may have a different opinion on how you should approach this and and why. You know, throwing that word should around, we should help the kids or we should not help the kids. We should do this much or that much. And uh, anytime your own values are being injected into the goal, I, I first of all think that's a good thing. You know, you want your goals and your own planning and everything to be in alignment with your values. 
but just recognize sometimes your values and your spouse's um, they, they could be different from each other. And so there's some reconciliation that has to happen there so you can get on the same page and figure out not just how did your family growing up do it, how did your parents approach this, but how are you and your spouse going to approach it moving forward? Yeah, I mean, the, with college, you can, oh, this is how it worked for me, and that's how I want it to work for my kids. Mm-hmm. Or you could say, this is how it worked for me, and I don't want to have that happen for the kids. That's right. Or this is not how it worked for me, but I want this to happen for the kids. And it's it, it's it's a wide spectrum. Versus retirement, it's, well, do you want to retire once and be done, or once and then go part-time, or what age? It's There's there's not as much variety. One, one and I think traditionally, it, it, people, when they are, ab, when you're thinking about college planning abstractly, sort of, you're not in it, you think, well, college planning is, I'm going to choose for to pay for all of it, no matter the school. And that's I would say that's more rare yeah. than it is common. But I yeah. think that's what most people think. But that certainly could be one of your choices. Mm-hmm. And you could work with your CFP to say, well, how do I prepare then if that's the goal or if that's what I would like to do? Pay for 100% of it for my child or grandchild, no matter the school. Well, you can approach it that way. Your, your CFP, we could help you calculate what, what you should, how you should approach that, how you should save up. Yep. And a lot of people do come in with that as their intention. Yeah. You know, they, they'll say, hey, I, I want to help my kids with college. And we'll kind of quiz them a little bit more and say, well, define that. What does that look like? Uh, how much do you want to help them with college? All of it. I, I don't want them to pay anything. And um, then it becomes more of, okay, let's figure out the story problem on how would you actually go pull that off? If you've defined what the outcome is going to be, my son or daughter is going to graduate from college without any debt. And they don't have to, you know, be working through school or anything. Some people would define it that way. Well, from there, then we can work backwards and say, okay, what are the activities? What are the the contributions or the funding mechanisms that you would use to actually achieve that? And some people take the exact opposite approach, though. Instead of defining what the outcome is going to be, they can instead define, here's what my contribution will be. That's right. They, they might say, you know, I have... 10 grand of this inheritance I just received. I'm going to set it aside and whatever that grows to for my kids, there you have it. Um, That's my contribution. Or I've got a couple hundred dollars a month that I can sacrifice and I'm going to set this aside into a very intentional investment account. I'm going to grow this to whatever it it accumulates to. And that's my contribution. Yeah, that sort of fixed contribution approach. There's a few different ways to look at that. And yeah, one is I've got a chunk right now, whatever it grows to, that's yours. The other, and we see this really common, hey, 250 bucks fits in the budget to save for college each month. Whatever that grows to, however many you know kids we have, we're divvying that up. That's what they get. A, a, a third sort of fixed contribution is we have a goal of saving up, say, 50 grand for each kid. And child, you can use all of that or none of that for college, whatever, but that's what we're going to save up. And, and hopefully we can get there with the right saving habits and, and, and all that. So we're going to, you know, so one side is we're going to pay for all of it, no matter the school. You could also say going to pay for all of it for a state school or all of it for a local school and child. If you want to go somewhere else, you've got to make up the difference. The other is fixed contribution, which we just talked about. The, the approach that my parents took that I, I sort of like looking back on it now is parents choose to pay a portion of it where maybe you say parents are going to pay tuition, but child, you've got to pay for room and board. Now, the Reason why I sort of like that one is room and board, fancy college term, that's rent and food. 
that's what you're going to need to pay for when you graduate, right? So that, like, I feel like that helps the child start getting some responsibility for carrying their own rent. And, and I it's sort of, we didn't have a discussion in my household. I just didn't want my parents telling me where to live. And <laughs> you need to decide, like, I felt like I moved into the dorm freshman year and within three weeks you had to pick out your apartment for next year. Yeah. And so... So did you pick a nicer place than your parents would have picked for you? Uh, the second year I did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Once I realized, the first it was like, who will I room with? The second year it was, oh my goodness, I, I want a nicer place. So, uh, But you could say tuition only or we're going to pay for the first two years. Kevin, we, I remember a client that we served together that we're going to pay for the fourth year. Mm-hmm. Or something like that, right? So, so some sort of well, we'll we'll pay for a portion. Those are, I, I, I mean, there's a lot of different ways you can approach it. Yeah, I think it, it, the the big thing is getting the conversation started because it's most people don't know how to talk about money. So, if you're thinking about this and think, well, when did my parents talk to me about money in a really uh, great, healthy, normal way? And still waiting. <laughs> yeah. I can count those moments on one hand. I uh, don't need all the fingers. So, it's, so it is, and it's it, so it's not easy. And but I would encourage as a parent to just um, get started. And yeah. and and the the one of the difficulties as children, children don't have a great context to even understand what in the world it's talking about we're talking about that's why if you if you look at student loan debt it went in 2007 it was half a trillion and in 2000 by 2021 it was 1.5 trillion so you Easy. would you would almost make a case that the problem is getting worse uh, not better. I think yeah, that's probably And you say well if you go to an 18 year old and you say hey do you want a, a bunch of money of course I do. <laughs> well, okay, so there's several ways to approach planning for college, and there's no right way or wrong way. It's up to you, and get started, get that conversation started, like Kevin said. Now, there's a lot of changes, and they do impact all of us, so we're going to review those changes and help you with that and more coming up on The Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Do you have a goal of helping kids, grandkids with college? The landscape has changed. The landscape has changed. Five big changes that you need to account for in your college planning. We're helping with that and more right now. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being here. My name is Mike Bernard. With me in the KFG studios, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Every episode of the Wise Money Show is on podcast wherever you listen. Go check us out. Search the Wise Money Show, whatever platform, and subscribe or follow us there. Rate the program as well. We appreciate it. All right, so there's no there's no direct, defined way that you've got to approach planning for college. You truly could say, I'm going to save 50 bucks a month from the time that little Bambino's born, and whatever it grows to, that's the college fund. That's fine. That's fine. You d- talk about it with your spouse, set a plan, working with your CFP, pick the right account to save up to, the right approach to take, blah, 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 and that's it. However... What's not as you know selective or, or whatever, it's more universal, are the changes that are happening right now that influence your college planning. We're going to talk about the big five. And the first one, there's, there was an attempt last year to, to forgive a bunch of student loan debt. Kevin, you mentioned some of the, the statistics there, and uh, we have a problem. 
Now, hmm. we are recording this in advance. I'll tell you, I'll tell you right now. And and as of the time we're recording, because it's spring break here in northern Indiana, so we're we're not recording today. Uh, by the at the time we're recording, there was there's still been no final decision on what's going on with the student loan forgiveness or cancellation plan. By the time this airs, there very well might be uh, an answer. My question is, the fact that that's even on the table, should that influence your planning for college? Well, it could. I think, to me, it's so fascinating as you watch what, what's happening because any, any forgiven debts are treated as taxable income except for student loans that are going to be forgiven between January 1 of 21 and December 31 of 2025. And those are tax-free uh, thanks to provisions in the American Rescue Plan Act of 2021. Yeah, so they set the stage with that. Right. Because this has always been this, there's always been this issue with this discussion of we got to cancel student loans and, and so on. There was, in, in the laws, it was, well, that's going to be taxable. Even the student loan cancellation programs that have been out there for the past decade or so, yeah, it's, it, it, when it's canceled, it's taxable. And so during packaged within one of the stimulus plans, they said, oh, yeah, actually, we're not going to tax it for this window of time. Mm -hmm. So debt could be part of your plan. I know uh, some folks that have planned and said, hey, listen, I'll let my child take out debt. And if they're responsible in their approach to education, we'll either wipe them off completely or we'll help them pay them when they get out of college. So it's kind of a, it's kind of, it's on you, uh, but we'll help in the event that you're really responsible. Mm -hmm. And, and they didn't necessarily need to do that, but they use that as a behavior modification mechanism to let the child have some sort of buy-in because it is, mm -hmm. the, the question is as a student, it's a, it's a very unnatural environment to to get a homogenous uh, group of people, 18 to 22, together who've never uh, lived on their own, and you get them together, um, and they're now in charge of their lives, and they, they're trying to figure it out, and they're kind of guided by a bunch of other 18 to 22-year-olds <laughs> who have never lived on their own and don't have any guidance. So Their brain's not even trying, fully connected yet. You're so. trying to talk me out of sending my kids to college, aren't you? Well, I don't know. It, it might be working right yeah, now. Yeah, <laughs> my problem is, Josh, I went to college, and, <laughs> and I saw what it was like, and I looked around, and I thought, this is crazy. <laughs> and and there were a bunch of crazy people. So there, I do believe, and I've seen this, um, there are students who are mature and are ready to go to college, ready to apply themselves to be for the rigors of college and be disciplined and focus and get through. And if you're one of those, then I say, go, go to college. If you're not, I would say, don't go, don't go. Not Maybe it's don't go yet or don't go ever. And until you find what you want to do, and until you say, hey, okay, I'm going to need certain skills in order to do this job for the rest of my life, that, that to me is when you say, for sure, I want to go. Don't go because you just age into college. And, yeah. and you're, you're saying that because that age in without a vision, you're getting on debt. You're, you're taking on debt that you're 
really that really may be unnecessary because you're acquiring some knowledge or or whatever that you're probably having a hard be. time focusing that and turning it into skills to exchange in the marketplace. Right. Exactly. Right. Yep. Yeah. And to borrow money for an investment that is unlikely to pay off is just silly, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you you just wouldn't want to do that. But the reality is, you know, in a perfect world, most people uh, they would be able to cover all of the college expenses and everything with savings that they've been able to build up, cash flow, you know, earning some money as they're going through school or parents contributing or scholarships. But most people don't, you know. In, in fact, most financial aid packages, they actually call the student loans financial aid. Yes, they do. It drives me crazy. Like, how is that financial aid? It's, it's not helping me. That's not money uh, that's contributed on my behalf or anything. I'm going to pay that back. But uh, th that is the reality. Most people, as a part of their financial aid package, are going to be offered student loans. And for most people, that is what kind of fills in the gap between their own resources and the total cost of going to school. So for a lot of people, um, it, it almost feels inevitable, but not for everybody. And I think that you could still also take a, a more uh, – planful approach. There you go. Uh, Kevin, I use that in your honor. Please don't. <laughs> um, you know, you can be more intentional in the way that you use those student loans. A lot of people don't realize that, uh, let's pretend for a moment that you have, your family has accumulated enough to cover for maybe the first two years of school. And maybe that's all that you had intended to contribute. The student is on their own for the, the rest. So the question that we often would get in a situation like that is, uh, do you use up all the family resources on the front end and then do all your borrowing on the back end in, in later years? And the potential problem with that is you may be leaving some subsidized loans on the table in those first couple of years. Subsidized loans are something that, you know, if you don't want any debt, then you probably haven't educated yourself on the difference between unsubsidized and subsidized loans. But uh, everyone, I think, in, in my opinion, needs to at least be aware of how subsidized loans work. It's basically where the government is paying the interest for you while you're still in school. Yep. So it's not costing you personally out of pocket any interest dollars or the, the debt isn't ballooning or accumulating on you if you borrow your freshman year and that debt sits there for four years before you eventually start paying it back. And so those subsidized loans... Um, you're limited in, in getting those early on. The first year, you can borrow up to $3,500. Second year, it's $4,500. And then it's third and beyond, it's $5,500 each. Mm -hmm. And you can't go like backwards and borrow the freshman year debt if um, all of a sudden in your junior and senior year, that's when you really need the debt. There, right? there's a, there is a philosophy out there that says whether you've got the cash or not, you should borrow that subsidized uh, amount each year. And then because it's not, you know, accruing interest to you, you can then just choose to pay it off if you if you need to or if you if you choose to. Yeah, especially if you've got the savings there and you could intentionally set it aside yeah. and not touch it. Now, the risk would be you borrow the money instead of using your own cash and then you end up using your own cash for something else. Um, th that's bringing risk onto your, your shoulders. Speaking of risk, and sort of the angle in which I, I was bringing this up is the fact that they're kicking around or whatever, maybe they've decided by at, at the time you're hearing this, canceling student loans, to me, 
is not a reason to go out and get a bunch of loans thinking that they'll do it again or that they'll cancel them from here on out or something like that. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. If you've got if student loans is a source of financial aid or there's a strategy there and it's a prudent approach, then then use them. Use them wisely. Be careful with them. If you don't need it, I wouldn't try to look at some arbitrage. And I understand the moral hazard. We've done shows on it where people chose to go into the military so that they could avoid student loans. People chose to sacrifice and get jobs and 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 avoid student loans or pay off loans. And now if they cancel them, that creates all sorts of, uh, of kind of ethical or, or moral challenges. I wouldn't play that game moving forward thinking, well, they're going to do it again. And therefore, I'm going to take out loans when I don't need it because the government will forgive them. I, I think that's dangerous. So, all right. What are the other big changes? Some of them are new laws that should influence how you plan for college. We've got that more coming up on the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Secure Act 2.0 changed some things with how you should approach your college planning. What is that? What impact does it make? We're helping with that right now. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being here. My name is Mike Bernard. With me in the KFG studios, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Stay up to date on all Wise Money content. Find us online at wisemoneyshow.com and on all over social media. Wherever you're at, we are there as well. Search the Wise Money Show. All right. Do you have a goal of helping kids, grandkids with college? Whether that's a, hey, we're going to help with 100% or 50% or we're going to save up X amount and whatever that amounts to is yours. It doesn't matter. But there's lots of changes going on in this retirement or in this college planning space. And one is what's going on with student loan forgiveness and cancellation. Uh, you know, if, if that turns out to, to be a, a, a big, you know, a reality, I wouldn't plan and assume that that's going to continue. Five year, every five years or so, they're going to sweep some some of that under the rug. I wouldn't plan for that. So use student loans wisely and strategically, okay? Second big change going on in, in college planning, Secure Act 2.0, open the door. And I would say this is the biggest change within Secure Act 2.0, a ton of changes. Open the door where you can transfer some $529 into a Roth IRA if a certain, I mean, big number of qualifications are met. Therefore, removing a hesitation or a concern that you're going to overfund college into a 529 plan and all of a sudden your child's not going to use the money or they're going to go to a cheaper school or they're going to not go to school and you've got all this money stuck in a college account that no longer uh, is needed for college. You can now move it to a Roth IRA. How does this change your planning? Yeah, that's that's interesting. Uh, so first, let's kind of recap a few of those rules, just so you do recognize the caveats that Mike was referring to. Um, the the five twenty nine plan that you are hoping to have, or, or or you might someday have some extra dollars left over in after the college years, for you to be able to move that to a Roth IRA, it has to go uh, from the same uh, beneficiary of the five twenty nine plan to the owner of the Roth. They, those names have to match. It has to be the student who whose name the 529 plan had been in um, when they graduated or, or whatever. Um, it also has to have been open for 15 years. Yeah. So this isn't something that just on a whim you're going to, um, you know, oh, let's just do this with some extra uh, dollars or, or maybe even let's throw some intentional extra dollars into the 529 plan 
you know, in their senior year or something so that they can get going on a Roth IRA. You, you also have limitations on uh, it's got to be contributions that were made at least five years ago. Right. Um, so, again, a lot of uh, potential gotchas here. It's also not a blank check. It's not an unlimited amount that you're allowed to transfer from the 529 plan to the Roth. Over your lifetime, it can be as much as 35000 in total, aggregated over years. And the amount each year that you transfer, it's as if you're making a normal contribution to that Roth IRA. So all the same rules and limits apply even in the transfer. And, and that's where I, I'm assuming, and I haven't see the, seen the text on this, but I'm assuming if that child makes too much or is uneligible, maybe they're you know filing their taxes, married filing separately, and they're not eligible to contribute to a Roth, then you can't make this transfer. I'm assuming it right. follows that. I'm also assuming that they can't make a contribution out of their own pocket, and then you also initiate this transfer all in the same year. My guess is it's is this counts as your contribution. That's right. And therefore, it needs to be coordinated now with this child of yours that is an adult that you want them saving up for their own college. So I, it's it's so much that it's complicated, I think they made it complicated enough that it's not just this no-brainer for everyone. But <laughs> yeah. I, I do think, I do think it's it 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 opens the door. I mean, to, yeah. I'm telling you right now, I have three kids. None of them. I established this at the beginning of the show. Our oldest is in middle school, so no one's about to use their college money. So we've just been using one account. Well, I started. I opened the two other accounts this year to start that 15-year clock going. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, I, I like how y- you use the phrase, it opened the door, or it may be kind of loosening things up for not just parents, but maybe grandparents as well. Um, you know, how, how many grandparents have you spoken with who they, they want to bless that grandchild in some way, and college is often the way that they think about doing that, but they also recognize not all of their grandkids are destined to go to college. You know, some are maybe more predisposed to go into the military or join a trade or, or something like that. And, you know, I've, I've just seen enough grandparents that kind of hesitate to put money into an account that is it's meant to be for, for education, for college in particular. Um, and this kind of it removes some of the risk in a way yeah. that you're going to put money into a college account and then it not get used for college. And the only downside to doing that is. When you pull money out of a, a 529 plan, if you use it for something other than qualified education expenses, which technically is more than just college expenses, by the way, but if you use it for something other than, than those qualified expenses, you're going to pay tax on the growth that has accumulated and have a 10% penalty. That may still be worth it. Mm-hmm. It may still be a, a great uh, funding or a growth mechanism because of the tax sheltering that you get along the way. But it, it certainly dilutes some of the goodness if you're hitting, getting hit with taxes or, or penalties at the end. That stuff goes away if you now have a way to move the money into a Roth IRA, which even the kids who don't go to college, they're still going to want to retire someday, right? Yeah. The Roth IRA can still be an amazing tool for them. And um, I, I just start thinking of this as, okay, grandkids who want to just bless their kids' life. Grandparents. Not, grandparents, yep. yep. Um, not just, not just bless, you know, in the area of college planning. I mean, we're, there's so much, 
that we still don't know about this. How do you actually facilitate the transfer? I mean, you've got, because normally these sorts of transfers would be easy if they're at the same institution. No way. College, 529, every state has their own 529 plans. Some states have a couple 529 plans. That's likely not where your Roth IRA or their Roth IRA is going to be held. Obviously, the ownership is going to be different. And so how this will be facilitated, it's going to be interesting. And to me, individuals that have the means to save up into a, a 529 and are concerned about overfunding it are unlikely to be the ones that are abusing the student loan system anyway. And therefore, I don't think this does a lot to move the needle on the student loan crisis. Yeah. I think it opens the door for you to plan more. Therefore, what what how should you how should it change your plan? Maybe you're opening new 529 plans right now to start that 15-year clock. Maybe you have been on the fence of maybe we should start slowing down our contributions. It looks like we've got enough here. Maybe you just keep on going because of this. So work with your CFP to see what adjustments you need to make. Yeah, if you look, so there's a there's a thirty five thousand dollar lifetime cap on transfers, so it's it's likely that you're not going to fund the entirety of your child or grandchild's retirement, but you right. certainly could give them a big start. Now, one of the things I'm not clear on is is that per person or is that per household? I think it's per person. I, yeah, I think so too. Wh- which would make the case then that maybe the husband and the wife should have a 529 plan. The nice thing about the 529 plan is that is money that is outside of your estate that you retain control over. So for from an estate planning standpoint, and I I have a big long table in my office and I show people, look, at that end of the table is your first dollar and that end is your last dollar. The 529 is at the end of the table. Right. So if you don't get to it in your lifetime, it's likely your kids or your grandkids or your great grandkids will have a good use for that money. And they've, because if you think about how this, this has changed, it changed from, hey, this can only be used for college. Now it can be used for K through 12. And now it can be used to fund a Roth IRA. So when people say, well, I'm not going to fund these things, I try to encourage folks who have the means to think in terms of fund what makes sense to fund. Mm-hmm. And we're right on the border of Indiana and Michigan. In Indiana, it makes sense to put 7500 bucks in there, if you can, because you get a 20% credit on that. If you're in Michigan, it... <laughs> Uh, it's helpful. Oh, it's it's painful. It's a little complicated because you get it's a deduction mm-hmm. on your state, so you, you can put up to ten thousand in and and get a deduction on your state income tax. Mm-hmm. So um, the seventy five hundred in Indiana gets you fifteen hundred bucks in your pocket. The ten thousand in Michigan gets you about five hundred. Yeah, and that's one of the other big changes. Is not only did uh, the Secure Act two point make it how did it, yeah less threatening less risky, like Josh said, to have a 529 plan or extra dollars in there. At the same time, state of Indiana, where our, where we've got offices, uh, expanded their college tax credit. We're going to get into some of those details and more next. But what other big changes are happening in the way in, in the world of college planning that will influence how you plan for it? We've got that more coming up on the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being here. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. My name is Mike Bernard. With me in the KFG studios, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. 
every episode of the Wise Money Show as well as a lot of other content on the YouTube channel. Go check it out. Go to YouTube, search the Wise Money Show, subscribe to it there, turn on notifications so you're made aware every time we drop new content, which is all throughout the work week as well as the talk show. So make sure you check that out. Talking about college planning today, actually, uh, it's the first show of a two-show series. So make sure you tune in next week as well, where we're talking about the uh, where, where we're giving our financial commencement address to 2023 grads. All right, but today we're talking about college changes to the college planning landscape. We left off on one here in Indiana, and that is, oh gosh, what, since 07, Kevin? Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. They, uh, the, the state of Indiana offered the best, the best, and that's not, I'm not just, you know, trying to be, um, have some hometown spirit here, but the best tax incentive of any state for contributing to a 529 plan. A 529 plan is like, it's like the Roth IRA for college, where you make a contribution of after tax money, it grows tax sheltered, and you can pull the growth out tax free if it's used for college or, or, eligible qualified expenses. But each state can apply some sort of tax benefit, should they choose to, on the contribution. Michigan does a deduction. Lots of states do deductions. Indiana, starting in 07, added a credit, which is a dollar-for-dollar reduction in your tax bill. Mm -hmm. It's not refunded to you if it wipes out all of your state tax, but it it removes state tax. The the credit is 20% on the first five grand that you contribute. That's what it was in 07, all the way up through 2022. Midway point, second half of 2022, the state announced that starting in 2023 and beyond, this 20% tax credit was staying the same, but it's on the first 7,500 that you contribute, basically moving that credit from 1,000 to 1,500. That's a huge deal, guys. Yeah, it absolutely is. I mean, that's an extra $500 that you could get knocked off your tax bill if you're an Indiana taxpayer. And... um, but you've got to contribute more. Uh, it's another $2,500 that uh, you need to plan ahead on. And if you're someone that's been contributing on a monthly basis, it, it's still early enough in the year that maybe going in and increasing that contribution would be good to kind of spread the the contributions out as, as much as possible. But just recognize if you're getting a late start on an increased contribution, you're going to need to play some catch up if you want to maximize that full $1,500 credit this year. Yeah, and there is a, another small catch is that it, it it is not a refundable credit, so you have to owe that $1,500 in state taxes. Indiana state taxes. <clears throat> and, there's yeah. a, and, and there's a breakdown. You have Indiana state taxes, and then we have county taxes. Yeah. So it doesn't refund your county tax yeah i thought you were going to say the other catch is if you've got multiple kids this credit only applies per tax return sure right so if if you've got three kids i can't do this i can't make three seventy five hundred dollar contributions and get and get you know three fifteen hundred dollar credits and here's another life hack as well if you have kids that are in college but are working i've seen kids in college that are working that have a decent amount of Indiana state tax that they pay. Yeah. Soak all that up with a with a credit. Yeah. Yeah. So they make their own contribution to their own plan. Yes. In addition to what you're contributing to another plan in, in their name. Yes. You could have grandparents contributing to yep. a third five twenty nine plan for that same child, but it's a separate tax return is the idea. And it's on the tax return that the credit is calculated and awarded. And technically they can throw all the money in the same 
529 plan, even though they're not the owner and they can still get the credit. Now, connected to this increase in, uh, in, in the amount that you can contribute to the 529 plan in Indiana and still receive a credit, I think was primarily because the state financially was in decent shape or is in decent shape. But I also think it's because if they started this tax credit in 2007 on the first five grand, certainly there's been inflation. Five grand set aside for college doesn't go as far uh, today as it did in 07 or 08 or 2010 or 2012. We've had massive inflation. Guys, it stood on a hockey stick, right? It's been, it's been, it's just stood on end the past couple of years. How does inflation influence college planning? I think you just have to recognize that it's, it almost feels inevitable that every single year college expenses are going to keep on rising. Right. And, and why is that, Josh? Oh, you're you want me to uh, go political here? You're baiting no, me. No, 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 no. This is not. Uh, this is a show about financial planning. So what you have to understand is whatever history it, of student loans and everything. And yeah, I mean, whatever gets subsidized, there there's an increase. Sure. So the the cost of education is subsidized by the federal government, and that because when I went to school thirty years ago. It was actually, if you wanted to hustle, you could pay your way through school. You, you could get through school without student loan debts. And I, I sat in a parking booth, and I had a buddy who worked in the cafeteria, and, and you know we, we did a little hustling um, to make some extra dough to make, make ends meet. Yeah. You, you, you couldn't do that. Yeah, yeah. harder to do that right now. I'm, I'm looking at a chart right now. Uh, this gets updated every so often from uh, some folks that I follow, some economists I follow, and it shows inflation over the past, since 2020. And straight up since 2020, the highest line, that maximum, the highest figure for inflation is hospital services, sure. straight up. The second one is almost straight up as well, and that's college tuition and fees. Yeah, I mean, clearly, college expenses have been rising more than just general inflation, because a lot of those years, we barely had any inflation. You know, it was 1%, 2% for a long, long time, and yet colleges were still raising tuition costs and room and board and Four, everything. 4%, 5 6%, something That's like right. that. That's so right. so I, I think it also, so it's a moving target. So going back to the variety of ways in which you could plan for college, it's a moving target if you want to pay 100% or I want to save up 50 grand and, and that's what you can use for college. If college is getting more expensive, know that that's a moving target, number one. Number two, nice that you can now move 529 plan money to Roth and all these things. However, due to inflation, we've got the highest level of credit card debt on record. Interest rates are skyrocketing. Consumers are getting pinched. And therefore, it's harder to save up for college. It's harder to cash flow college because of not only inflation to college, but inflation around, you know, in, in embedded into everything. Because it's not impossible to think if you just had a baby and you said, hey, I want to start saving for my child's education, you might have student loans of your own. Absolutely. Yeah. While you're saving for their education, yes. you're saying? Yeah. 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 You know, if I was going to give one word of encouragement uh, for parents out there, or future college students themselves, um, there is there is one force at work that is kind of helping to maybe slow or hold a lot of those rising costs in check, at least just a little bit. And it's a demographic trend that's been happening. There are just less college students available right now. There are less humans that were born roughly 18 years ago mm -hmm. uh, than prior generations. And because of that, 
a shortage of students, or think of the from the college's perspective, a shortage of customers. Each customer that you are able to get seems even more valuable, or you might even be willing to pay a little bit more to help get that student on your campus. And what am I talking about? I'm talking about the the tuition or the the discounts uh, that they're able to help waive, the scholarships that they're able to free up, financial aid. Um, is one of the ways that they can kind of reduce some of the cost for uh, a lot of these students that they're just willing to fight for. You know, they're, they're in a competition type of a, a scenario here. Um, or to think of it the opposite, if there is a surplus of college seats available, mm-hmm. more college seats than there are butts to put in them, mm-hmm. um, all of a sudden the, the value of those starts to potentially come down or at least have a bit of a headwind. So... Uh, keep that in mind. It, when it comes time to actually start looking for the right school, um, not every school is going to try as hard or compete as aggressively to get your son or daughter on their campus. Yep. So find the one that is the right match and willing to you know, put up the dollars to, to help get your student there. The final big change is everything that's gone on in the markets, the financial market. So if you're saving your way and investing your way to help plan for college, you know that, yeah, the bond market had its worst year uh, in the history of the index last year, and the stock market had its normal one out of every four years that it was down, but it felt very abnormal, and we've got a lot of chaos going on right now. Here's the thing. If you have a goal of helping with college, all these changes might feel overwhelming. You can achieve it. You can still get it. You can still plan for college, help your kids, help your grandkids, work with your certified financial planner. There's more options. There's more to be aware of, but you can still craft a great plan to help you reach that goal. All right. That's all the time we have for today. On behalf of Josh Gregory, Kevin Corhorn, all of us at Corhorn Financial Group, have a great weekend. We'll see you next Saturday for the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. No. My, I remember, let's just say someone that I grew up very closely with, he's got the same shape, nose as me. <laughs> but other than that, we'll keep it really confidential. Securities offered through Silver Oak Securities, member FINRA slash SIPC. Advisory services offered through KFG Wealth Management, LLC. Doing business as Corhorn Financial Group. KFG Wealth Management, LLC and Silver Oak Securities Incorporated companies are unaffiliated.